Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Being compared to J.K. Rowling might feel like a bit of a double-edged sword, both thrilling and terrifying, but that's exactly how my next guest has been described. Jessica Townsend is the author of the Wondersmith series. The first book, The Trials of Morrigan Crow, was released in 2017 and it flew off the shelves. Now the next instalment, The Calling of Morrigan Crow, has been released. And while it's for readers a smidge older than the children who typically listen to Kindling, it is quite possibly on their horizon. Jessica, welcome to Kindling Conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. So how does it feel to be compared to someone like J.K. Rowling? <laughs> um, it's so it doesn't stop being strange. It's it's a really weird thing, and I think it's a really, I think it's a really generous thing. It's an overly generous thing for people <laughs> to say. To be honest, I I kind of I mean I think it's I'm a huge J.K. Rowling fan. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and I think that people are always kind of you know optimistically hoping that that a book will come along that will kind of make them feel the way that Harry Potter does so I think it's a lovely sweet optimistic kind of thought um, and as a J.K. Rowling fan obviously I'm completely outraged that anyone would ever be called the next <laughs> J.K. Rowling including you including especially me <laughs> so um, let's explain a bit about the book for people who haven't read it read it before who is Morrigan Crow? so Morrigan Crow is a little girl who is cursed um, it's it's a fantasy book, so it's set. It's a second world fantasy, which means it's set in a totally different world. Um, and she's about to turn 11, and her curse means that she gets blamed for everything that goes wrong in this place where she's from. So there's a hailstorm or a fire or something. Morrigan's always the one to blame. Um, and the flip side of the curse, <laughs> and it's a little bit bleak, but um, the flip side is that she knows when she's going to die. So she's supposed to die on her, on her next birthday. But, of course, that would be a terrible book. So instead... <laughs> Instead, a very short book. Right, very short. Yeah, it would have been better in some ways. No. Um, instead, she sort of gets spirited away and she's rescued and she gets to have this new start uh, in life in this magical secret city called Nevermore where she's been invited to uh, compete against hundreds of other children for a place in the Wondrous Society, which is full of extraordinary people with remarkable talents. But Morrigan doesn't have a talent. <laughs> oh, intriguing. So um, you just mentioned Nevermore. How and the fact that this is a, a whole other world, a second world, right. is that how you yeah. describe it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how would you describe the world that she lives in? Well, I think it's so Nevermore is, um, is the city that she goes to live in, and it's kind of it's sort of the tip of the iceberg of the world. I, I have planned this as quite a, a long series of nine, um, but it is the definitely you know, the first book is called Nevermore, so it's all about this city. It is a place that is very silly and magical and whimsical and sprawling and epic and it has a lot of ridiculous elements to it and but also it has this sort of sinister edge to it it has this kind of seam of darkness um and those are the kinds of stories that I love um you know the ones where you, you do feel like anything could happen and and, and you know she, Morrigan could take any turn in this city and and find herself somewhere insane but um but you know that also that I have this kind of fun silly side to them as well uh, and and that's nevermore it's a place of high high magic and and high danger <laughs> 
So what fascinates me, there's two things in what you just said that fascinate me. Um, one is that you said you've probably played about nine books, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, right, okay, yes. so nine books, right? Uh, and you've invented a whole entire world. Surely that can't all live in your head. Do you have like hundreds of post-it notes all over your ward- walls just going, okay, so this is this is the physics of how Nevermore works. So if I can't go against this in book number six or I mean how do you keep it all in in sync yeah, with each other it's well I have um kind of what I what I refer to as the graveyard the laptop graveyard where I you know I've because I've been writing and planning the series for a really 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 long time the first book took me about 10 years to write um so all up it's now been maybe about 15 from like the very first sort of kernel of the idea um and why I call it I call it the graveyard because you know every computer every laptop I've had in the past 15 years I've carried over this enormous kind of volume <laughs> of, of documents and someone actually um, asked me the other day, you know, um, she was a reporter trying to get a bit of background information and she said, oh, you, you said that you've planned out a lot of the series. Would you say like that you'd have about 10,000 words of, you know, just plan for the rest of the series? And I sort of thought about it and I'd never thought about it in, in those kind of terms before. And I did a quick little like calculation in my head and I, and I said, no, I, I have many, many, many hundreds of thousands of words. <laughs> <laughs> just of planning and just of plotting. So it really, it genuinely is. I mean, you know, Nevermore was 90,000 words. Wondersmith is 100,000 words. And that is probably the tip of the iceberg <laughs> of what I have. And um, it a lot of it is just inside my head. Um, and a lot of it are bits and pieces that I sort of, I will go back through folders and folders and folders and, you know, down the rabbit hole and find things that I wrote seven years ago and think, oh, I forgot about that bit. Great. I'll put that in the next one, <laughs> which is quite, it makes it kind of fun. It's like a, like a treasure hunt <laughs> and, and not a graveyard right <laughs> Unless you it's, believe it's in not a direction. great term but yeah <laughs> which you possibly do because it's a fantasy novel there's no there's no barriers here you're listening to kindling conversation i'm speaking with jessica townsend she's the author of the wondersmith series and the second installment is out now it's called the calling of morrigan crow i did preface the interview by saying it's probably pitched at um, readers slightly older than those kids that might listen to kindling um so my question then to you, Jessica, is when you're writing this and you're planning it and it's taking 10 years and it's all inside your head, did you have an age range that you were thinking of or did the book come about and then someone wanted to publish it, they read it and went, this is, this is a book that we should pitch towards 10 to 15-year-olds or something like that? I think I always knew that it was going to be um, a middle grade book. So in, in publishing, they call it middle grade, which is kind of that age of sort of eight to 12. Um, it was just the way that the story came out. I never sort of sat down and thought, okay, I have to write a children's book. What will I write a children's book about? Um, it was just, you know, those are those are the books that I love. I think that I naturally gravitated towards that because when you ask anyone, what's your favourite book? It's never the crime novel they just read. <laughs> you know, it's it's nothing like that. It's usually... Nine times out of ten, it will be the book that they read in their childhood that they loved, and because th- those books are so important to us when we when we first read them, and they form such a huge part of our identity growing up, and we really hold on to that. Um, all of my favourite books are the books that I read in childhood, and so um, I think that I naturally kind of leaned into that because I feel like those books are just so they carry so much weight, um, and that was the way that the story came out. Morrigan was a young girl. She when I was originally writing it, I had her as a nine year old, but um, it's it's a strange thing in publishing where if you are writing for that 8 to 12 bracket, 
publishers all, you know, it's aspirational. Parents will know that, I'm sure. Um, all, all kids sort of want to read about someone a bit older than them, so they, they ask me to age her up. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's an important age and it's an interesting age to write about because it's all the time where you are kind of looking outside yourself and you're questioning authority and you're finding your identity and finding your place in the world. So I think that's why it's... Um, it's it's such a like fruitful period of time to kind of sit down and write about. I especially love the fact that Morrigan Crow is a girl. <laughs> Obviously, you're a girl, but then so was J.K. Rowling, and her hero was a boy. Mm. Uh, was it a conscious decision to make your your lead character a girl? I again, I, I didn't sit down and think, well, I've got to write a, a great girl hero. Uh, hero. I just Morrigan. I it, honestly, it never occurred to me to write a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I always wanted to to write from a from a girl's perspective and I don't think that I ever particularly thought deeply about that but in hindsight I'm really pleased that I did because you know it's important that we have great girl heroes I mean I guess because for me like those those were again my favorite kinds of books growing up um you know there I mean there is definitely that there seems to be kind of a lot more books for boys in some ways or you know in the in the past 10 20 30 years there have been a lot more boy heroes written but all of the ones that i loved had girl heroes at the heart you know it was matilda and it was um, Fern in Charlotte's Web and it was I loved Hermione Granger and <laughs> um, my favourite books as a teenager were John Marston's Tomorrow When the War Began series and Ellie Linton to this day she is my favourite literary heroine um, so I guess that that was just the kind of story that I wanted to write and all of the girls that I know are fabulous and brave and interesting and flawed so um, you know kind of wanted to do that justice. <laughs> So amongst all of this wonderful fantasy and imagination that you've, um, you're pulling out of your head, <laughs> underneath all that, um, were there certain messages that you wanted to kind of hide in there? Like you say, it's, it's a really pivotal age for young people and um, you're right, I completely remember the books that I loved at that age. Was there in the back of your mind something you wanted to be telling children with this book? No, um, I and I think that I really sort of, as as a writer, I kind of shy away from that. I didn't I didn't want to write anything allegorical. I didn't want to. I, I don't I don't know any writers really who think about you know well this is the theme of this book that I'm about to write. I think that those things definitely emerge, um, you know, after you've written them, and you can kind of look back and. And think, oh, that's what I was writing about. Interesting. Um, but that's not to diminish the importance because those messages are definitely there, whether I planted them or not. You know, I just wanted to write a cracking story. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there are, you know, there is bullying and there is um, there are kind of almost larger kind of political themes in some ways and will be more as the series goes on. Um, it it was just me kind of reflecting the reality of the world. You know, I think that when you're writing fantasy, you really need to be anchored in the real world. And it's, if you're going to write about <laughs> gigantic talking cats and, <laughs> and uh, you know, vehicles that are enormous eight-legged mechanical spiders and such, then, then you kind of need to, need to root and, and, you, and you need to anchor the reader in things that are familiar to them. Um, and I also think that, you know, bullying storylines and, and things that are scary and you know the the fact that Morrigan um that her family don't really love her the family she was born into they don't really love and appreciate her she has she finds a a, a new group of friends and a new family who 
um, who do sort of appreciate her for who she is. And I think that those are things that happen in real life. So um, it's kind of important for kids to be able to see, um, you know, to see uh, a character that they identify with being able to deal with that and work through that in kind of a safe way. And the safe way is being in a book that they know will have a resolution at the end. <laughs> and have some wonderful adventures along exactly, the way. Exactly, and have fun. That's the main <laughs> thing. <laughs> well, they're fabulous books, Jessica. I look forward to hearing from you in the next, how long does it take to write nine books? <laughs> um, 20 years? <laughs> hopefully not 20 years, but I'm not going to make any promises. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. That's Jessica Townsend. She's the author of the Wonder Smith series and The Calling of Morrigan Crow is out in all good bookstores now. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.